sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Oh, yeah, I, 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 uh, I never tire of saying that. Pirate Monk Podcast. You uh, don't. I mean, this is where... We're like at around 270 episodes-ish, and you're still having fun. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're looking especially piratey today with Ooh. kind of a Texas twist. Piratey with a Texas? I'm more of a Gulf of Mexico pirate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so you're uh, – just so our listeners can picture this. You've got, you've got a black shirt, uh, short sleeve, looks kind of like a shop shirt, but high-end. High-end mechanic shop shirt. Yeah, okay. okay. I see some sort of a longhorn skull on one side The Jack Brown's burger and beer logo. Oh, that's what that is. Okay. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, a name tag that says A-Bomb. That's my club name. Your club name is A-Bomb. That was a nickname that my dad's best friend from junior high gave me. Okay. Obviously not in junior high because I was not yet born. But later on when I was born, he called me A-Bomb. My dad still calls me A-Bomb. And when I got in the club, they said I needed a nickname. Abby was there. I threw out some suggestions. She thought most of them were ridiculous, but she liked A-Bomb. I have known you for 15 years, and this is the first I have heard of A-Bomb. Okay, so I I never really loved that nickname. Uh-huh. I like was fine. My dad and his buddy would call me that. Uh-huh. But I always wanted a nickname. Yeah. And when I was a freshman in high school, a guy named Nolan something uh-huh. jumped up when we were playing volleyball to Spike and came down with his elbow in the back of my head. Yeah. And I was so trying not to cry, but uh-huh. it hurt real bad. And uh, I remember my, my teacher saying, hey, kid, it's okay to cry. Yeah. I said, okay, and I just started weeping. Yeah. So he called me Tar Boy. Poor Ooh. Tar. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, I realized that might sound bad, but he would call me, hey, poor Tar, and then he called me Tar Boy. Uh, I, I kind of like that better than A-Bomb, uh, so I'm, I'm realizing there might be some implications now, but that was not in, you know, okay, 1989. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right, okay. And then I still wanted a nickname that would stick. Yeah. And then uh, Scott Dente, who was on the show last week, tried yeah. to call me Tic Tac. Oh, I for, remember that. For reasons I did not appreciate. Yeah, okay. And uh, So our, you didn't want to be Tic Tac? Yeah. And then what was uh, Flip? Flip was the other name that group of guys tried to give me. Okay. And I did not appreciate it. So I never got any good nicknames. I think we should survey our listeners for appropriate nicknames for Aaron Porter. I have so wanted one. And, and you can't give yourself one. I've thought of ones I would like. You can't give yourself a nickname. Yeah, yeah. So yes, this is this is my 100-notch club shirt. Okay, so you got this shirt mm. because you succeeded in drinking 100 beers. So Jack Browns uh-huh. has not all in one sitting. No, no. Has has a a club. They uh, change their taps uh, like three times a week okay. with little micro brews. Okay. And if you drink one hundred different beers, cannot right. be the same ones. Right. And they also give you like half beers, which okay. is really nice. So it's a half pint. Uh, yeah, something like that. All right. Um, I know it's a small cup that's cool. I wish I had some. I love small cups. Since a child, I've loved them. Okay. So, yeah, it took me a little over a year. (laughs) 
because <laughs> I only get there a few times you know, a yeah. month. Yeah. And so I did it. I got the shirt, and they have special trips to breweries. Then nobody's told me anything else, but I got the shirt. The embroidery on the back. Here, turn yeah. around. I'm going to take a picture, right. and I want you to post this in the in the uh, show notes. Well, I tried that last week with our picture, and I couldn't figure out how. Oh, really? It is, that, I mean, that is really ornate classic. Okay, here's the front. I was trying to avoid showing your face. Oh, wait a second. We got to do it again. Trying to avoid showing your face. Uh, hang on. We got to do this again because I shot both of those in video. Turn around. Okay. I had the grandkids for the weekend, and so I was taking videos all weekend. Done. There we are. Both. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Last last week I had the picture I was going to post. And it would only let me do like a URL to connect it. So I thought, okay, I'll put it in my Facebook to create something I can link. And that didn't work, but I got tons of comments on Facebook. I'm like, oh, for Pete's sake. Yeah. I'm just trying to get in the show. So okay. I'll try to work it out. All right. So, yes, this is my, I'm in the club and I wanted to show you the shirt. So I wore it. This is the first time I've worn this shirt. It's been okay. in my closet for like three weeks. I'm very impressed. It's kind of a special occasion shirt. Okay. Jenny likes it. She's like, you can wear it when we go somewhere nice. I'm like, huh, really? Mm. Okie doke. Well, uh... so there's there's a story nobody cares about, but Jack Brown's their burgers are good. Uh huh. They've got the Elvis burger. Now I've quit drinking. Do you know this? I do. Okay. Uh, would I still be? And uh, but I'm still going to the pub. Come I will on, go I to the pub tonight I, yeah, after the meeting. Sure. I take. I my, go to eat. I and... take my kids there all the time. They do their homework. Okay. I work on reports. They have sweet tea. Okay. We all have burgers and fries. Nice. And uh, they have a disco ball that's covered in bras. Okay. Where evidently, if you throw a bra up there, I always forget it's there until my youngest son goes. Uh -huh. And then he always makes mention. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. But they donate to some breast cancer thing if you bring a bra in. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, there's all kinds of good things at so Jack Brown's. Go to Jack Brown's and bring your bra. Bring your bra. Or your bro. And Immunity. Oh! Breast cancer. It's all happening at Jack Brown's. <laughs> And uh, does that shirt convey any immunity against the coronavirus? I want to know. There's, I've just filtered a bunch of thoughts. <laughs> Good. Feel, and if I'm filtering thoughts, uh, only if you wear it around your head. Okay. All right. The, uh, I'll tell you the reason I ask, um, because I would have to get one. I've scheduled a trip to Texas. You know, we got a bunch of guys in Austin. Mm -hmm. We got some guys in Houston. We got some guys in College Station. And so Allie and I are making a trip to Florida, uh, to uh, Texas in April, from the 11th to the 18th of April. Uh, uh, so I bought the tickets. And now I'm terrified that they're going to, not terrified, but I'm concerned that they're going to cancel the flight on me or something, or that I'm not going to be able to travel, or they'll put all of the entire state of Tennessee under quarantine. By the way, if you're listening to this uh, show in the year 2022, when it certainly will still be available, uh, there was a certain amount of hysteria. Yeah, I mean, this yeah. is this is the frustrating thing. This is why I don't uh, watch the news uh -huh. uh, unless I have to outrage porn is a thing uh-huh and so the the news is all about how outrage. we get outrage sure how many people died of just the flu last year yeah right it's not interesting it's not mm -hmm. newsworthy right it's a lot now is this more significant should we wash our hands more yeah but it's really hard to know how we're supposed to feel what we're supposed to do 
when everybody's selling outrage yeah. and causing panic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, geez, when you can't go buy some canned things because everyone's afraid everyone else is buying canned things, you're like, okay, everybody, just yeah. take a deep breath. So uh, I think it, it points to that frustration that there's not a lot of easy places to just get good information. Yeah. And I, I remember, should I even say this? Of course I should. For those who have made news entertainment, and so they're listening to hours of news every day, mm-hmm. yeah. that they're listening to three hours at a time of some AM personality right. who's also filling them with outrage. Yes. And then they're like, well, I'll go to church for an hour this week, and I wonder which one will create the meditation of my mind. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm thinking it's the three hours a day with the outrage, right? which makes you afraid and anger, uh, angry. The only people you can communicate with effectively are other people who listen to the same outrage. Yes. And, and this isn't pointed at any group in particular. Yeah. Every group has their version of outrage. Yes. It doesn't create unity, community, submission to one another. Yes. It just creates outrage. Suspicion, distance, isolation, and a breakdown in communication. And yet, over the years, when I would bring this up to our dear parishioners in California, uh-huh. that would be like the most outrageous thing to them. When sure. I'd say, stop listening to that for three to six hours a day working at your job. Yeah. Find something else to listen to. And they'd be like, I can't do that. Yeah, right. I've got- Why not? Like, I have successfully not listened to it ever. Yeah. Uh, the only the only time I did, there was uh, Air, Air America, I think it was called. It was like the liberal radio. Yeah. And there was a conservative radio. Uh, and I, before Air America went off the air, I had them both on my radio. And my half an hour drive to work would be switching back and forth between them because they'd both be talking about the same stories. <laughs> but saying, these people are ridiculous. These people would say, those people are ridiculous. And I just found it completely amusing to just go back and forth. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I will make that confession. I did listen for 30 minutes a day during probably 1996 through 2000. Mm. But yeah, turn it off. There's so many good things that you can put in your head. I love it. Well, we've got something really good that you can put in your head, and we're going to bring it up in a moment. Stick with us for the interview section of this show on the Pirate Monk Podcast. One, two, three, four. The things Pirate Monk Podcast, uh, and we have with us today a guy who is—he's uh, a triple threat. He's a recovering addict. He's handsome. Okay, quadruple threat. Holy cow! Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a sobriety coach with clinical training, and he's a pastor all at once. Todd Wormer is with, Wormers is with us. Hey, Todd. Hey, Nate. It's good to be here. I'm. Uh, I tell everyone when I tell my story, you're the first person in the story. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, 
as you know, 11 and a half years ago, you intervened on me through uh, the guys down at Summit. Uh, yeah. With Summit Todd Church yeah. in uh, Fort Myers, Florida? That's right. Okay. Yeah. You were on staff there? I was, yeah. Okay. The college pastor at the time. Okay. And what went down 11 and a half years ago? Uh, Refresh my memory. Yeah. <laughs> so what that's went a, down... That's a loaded statement. Yeah, that's a loaded question. <laughs> so it went down uh, August 8th, 2008. I was had stayed up the night before just diving into porn, just mm-hmm. crazy. And that, that had kind of been my thing all through uh, middle school, high school, college, into early parts of marriage. Yeah. And part of my story is I got abandoned from my parents at an airport at 15. Wait, um, wait, wait. You don't get to move on from that. Okay. What? Yeah, so my parents had gotten a divorce, and my parents were, my mom and my dad kind of wanted to date, and I have an older brother and a younger sister, and so... The story that is told to me, I now doing my own work, my own recovery, I kind of like, man, that is messed up. So my mom and dad were dating other people, and my brother and I were just kind of in the way of their dating yeah. pleasures. And so I was adopted when I was in the second grade by who I called dad. My biological dad was in Texas. I had reconnected with him my freshman year of high school. Okay. So my mom... We had gone out there to Texas to meet him for the first time when I was a freshman in high school. Went back uh, at spring break of my freshman year. Mm-hmm. And that summer, unbeknownst to me, I was going out there again for a two-week trip just kind of to you know, connect again. Mm-hmm. And at the airport, it was an old school where they give you the return tickets. Right yeah. here the t- so the lady put my return ticket on the uh, counter. And my mom, like a hawk, came in and swooped him in. And her words were, you're never moving home again. And I remember in that moment, just like shocked, crying, angry. And I'd cried all the way from the ticket counter to uh, the airplane. And I remember sitting on the uh, plane, put my head on my older brother's shoulder. I was in bulkhead. I remember where I was sitting, in bulkhead, on the aisle seat, um, on the right-hand side of the plane. I put my head on my brother's shoulder. And I, I don't know if I said this out loud. Or just said it to myself. I said, whatever I have to do, I'll never feel this way again. Mm -hmm. I'll never be rejected or abandoned again. And that's, for me, where porn just answered that question. There's no image on that screen ever said no to me. I was the one that always said no to the image. So that the image was always saying yes, and I'm the one that was clicking to the next image to say no. Yeah, yeah. Um, So you said 15. Yeah, I was 15 at the time. So I moved to Texas. My biological dad... Uh, is a drug addict, alcoholic, um, sex addict, like to the core. And so, um, yeah, just for 15, for the next 15 years, that was kind of my, my story. I came to Christ my senior year of high school, and that was a, a train wreck, really. It was a beautiful train wreck in the sense of I came to Christ and everything in my life changed, but there was that hidden piece of yeah. porn that I just could not deal with. And so, I just kind of built and built. My life was headed this way, and my addiction was my life was with Christ was headed up, and my life in recovery or addiction was headed south. So, yeah, you come to Christ. Was any this is a silly question? What were you thinking as far as like here's here's the grace I received, and so therefore this should be fixed. So I need to hide it. Why? Why so, were those separate? Why was yes. the sin and the Savior not allowed to meet? Yeah, that's a great question. So it was my spring year, my senior year of high school. I went on to a Bible college. At the Bible college, it was 
law, 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 law. Yeah, right. And because of the law, there was no grace in the law. And so I was like, if I tell the truth, I'm going to get kicked out. I'm going to be abandoned again. Right, sure. So I just knew I was never going to be abandoned again. Whatever I had to do, I was going to make sure I never get abandoned again. And so I just kind of saw that play out in the church. I saw that play out in school. The guys that got honest got kicked out. And it just yeah, it just didn't make sense to me. Um, so August 8th, I get married in uh, May 2005. Jenny's working as a pharmacist. She's got late hours. And so for the first several months of our marriage, I was clean. I wouldn't say sober. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I just got lonely and felt that abandonment come back up again. Sure. And so where'd I go? Right back to porn. As if I didn't stop. Right. And so for me, that was just the coping mechanism. Did that surprise you? I mean, you're married now, so clearly that was going to fix the issue. But now you're right back in. What what were you feeling about Wait, why am I doing this again? I felt shame, but here's the here's the saddest part. There was an overwhelming sense of relief. Mm-hmm. Your old buddy still. Yeah, there. my old my old companion. It never left. Yeah. Everyone else around me had always left. Yeah. Here's the one thing that never left. Yeah. And so there was a relief. I, I would call it impaired gladness, like sensuality without heart. Like, oh, whew, yeah, still there. Yeah, yeah. Um, until that morning where Jenny woke up before I did and. I mean, I had a ritual, how to clear the history, and I'd done it a thousand times. And by whatever I did or did not do that morning, Jenny was up first. I walked into our TV room, and she turned the computer around and said, what is this? Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't know what it is. She asked me again, what is this? I said, I don't know what this is. She said, Todd, I'm going to ask you one more time. Only two people live here, and I'm definitely not the one doing this. And I, so I came clean to her, and then she had – the wisdom, the love, the care. And she said, you either, you either go talk to the elders of the church or I'm going to talk to the elders of the church. Now, had you told her anything about your past? Mm-mm. So this is her first, like... She had kind of knew some things because I was honest, but never completely honest. So you told her you struggled with struggle, bese- yeah. besetting sins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to struggle with that, like, yeah, but yeah. I'm over that. I've yeah. dealt with that. I have accountability partners around that. Yeah. Um. But that morning, there was no, there was no turning back. There was no way I was hiding. Yeah. And I said, No, no, we, well, we got this. And she said, No, we don't. You're a very sick person. Um, she's she's a clinician by trade. She's a pharmacist, so she mm-hmm. knows the world of addiction right. just through schooling. And she got up from our TV room and headed to the front door. And I'm like, This girl's serious. Mm-hmm. And so I got in my car and beat her to the car and went uh, to the elders Orlando Cabrera and yeah. Todd Milby's house. And yeah. For the next 48 hours, just kind of was telling them all I knew to tell them. And as I look back, I'm sure I was hiding stuff, not knowing I was hiding. I was just in shock. Yeah, yeah. Um, And by the grace of God, you had come two weeks prior to that to do the very first, you know, Samson weekend for our church. And uh, Todd and we got on the phone. And your exact words were, man, you sure do got a live one on your hands down there. (laughs) 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 And so they... they, uh, from that day on, from Saturday to Monday morning, all the background stuff, I don't even know what happened, but they got me in the CPE, which is super hard to get into. Yeah. So for super. listeners that don't know what CPE is. So it's no longer around, but it's now part of Journey Pure, which is a rehab center. It stands for Center for Professional Excellence. They only treat 10 minutes at a time. They only treat professionals. Yeah. So how so a 30-year-old Chip Dodd, kid- we've had him on the podcast mm-hmm. before. Right. Okay, so- all right. Yeah. So I went to CPE. You 
pick yeah, me I up made at a the call, airport. I made a call to Chip to ask him if there was any way we could get That's you right. in. And, uh, and yes, uh, quite unexpectedly, a spot came open. That's right. And they made some financial arrangements, and your church stepped up. They paid for all of it. Yeah. They put you on a plane. Can we can we pause to to honor good good churches for a moment? Yeah. How many times are churches in a situation like this, where they finally discovered something that everybody else at the table isn't admitting? Oh, sorry, that wasn't what I meant. <laughs> uh, where where they're in the situation? I'm thinking of a church right now that I know that's going through this. That yeah. they want to deal with it in house, but they have no experience mm-hmm. dealing yeah. with it in house. They don't know what to do. And so, in the end, the pastors just uh, moved aside yeah. or asked to move aside. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, that there is an option. Whether you're a church or just a friend of someone, right. you don't have to have the answers. You just need to help call someone who has the answers. Yeah. That's right. yeah. I mean, it's not rocket surgery. <laughs> you don't have to know everything. But then when you make the call, the fact that they stepped up and said, okay, well, good. Somebody yeah. has an answer. We're going to help support right. you through yeah. this that's a huge yeah. thing amazing yeah basically they called nate and from my understanding nate said this is what you need to do and at that moment they really relinquished control over the nate and nate's the one that kind of led the process the other part is treatment is not cheap yeah and our the treatment i went to was fifty five thousand dollars for 12 weeks and they pay yeah all i know is they paid all of it but two thousand dollars that i had to pay so yeah. i don't know where the rest of that money came from don't care where it came from, but I'm just grateful for Summit that they really did help me get my life back and my marriage back, and now yeah. in ministry. I just sent them. A t- I sent those three guys a text on the way here. I said, "Thank you for what you did. This this interview with Nate would not be possible without you guys intervening on me." Yeah. Well, I know where it came from. It came <laughs> from Jesus. That's right. and yeah. His people. That's right. Yeah. Who exactly. loved you for yeah. sure. For yeah. sure. So, yeah. so and then you headed back home. I How did. was that? I was super scary. So I had done the 12 weeks, had kind of um, discovered my problem wasn't my problem. My problem was the answer to my problem. My mm-hmm. problem was fear, shame, and loneliness. Yeah. Um, and so just began to dive in to that, that, the narrative I had made up. Like, I'm never going to be alone again. And then began to realize, okay, I can be alone. I can be lonely, but I don't have to be alone yeah. again. And that's why I found AA, you know, we could throw a rock to the very first AA meeting from here. I Like I was walking around yeah, before yeah, yeah. this meeting, I was like, man, there's so many memories for me about my first moments yes. of recovery. We got from the, you took me from the airport. I took you to an to, AA meeting. The very first, very <laughs> first at noon, <laughs> at noon. I, so yeah, Franklin's always been super special to me. Yeah. But that's where I found the, the, a home is in... SA rooms uh-huh. um, and just did that for the next man I mean still doing it 11 and a half years later sober nice. for 11 and a half years wow um, how was your wife when you came back from those weeks I mean you had to be a little afraid oh I'm, yeah. I'm separating from her is she gonna figure out yeah. that maybe she's better off without me I mean there had to be weird thoughts yeah, and- so the graciousness of God and the graciousness of Jenny she said the day before I left Sunday afternoon I was sitting on the couch crying, and she said, uh, her exact words were, uh, Todd, if I had only made a commitment to you, I would leave you. But I made a commitment to God, and I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And that that 
pulled the floodgates even more. And so I went to treatment <laughs> knowing she could leave me, but she's a woman of her word. Yeah. Um, and so I, I didn't have that fear when I was in treatment she was going to leave me, though I knew she could if she wanted to. And she's, she's stuck with me every you know what day I since. St- you know what I remember? You, uh, it was going to be a couple days before we could get That's you right. to CP. So you stayed at our place. Mm-hmm. You stayed. And I don't think I'd ever seen a guy cry that much. Mm. Um, I know that Jesus is gracious to repentant sinners. Yeah, so he's not just and, gracious; he's a friend. Yeah, and you just uh, oozed repentance, right? Yeah, yeah. I hope so. You were a broken man, I and you were just broken. ready to do anything. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And CPE helped with Jenny too. Mm-hmm. She did. Yeah, she came up three times and. I was just telling you that before the show, I'd learned today that you were the first person that picked her up in Nashville and brought her to CPE. So, so listeners, if you need a ride from the airport, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Nate's the guy. Nate's, Nate's available guy. to pick up anybody. Don't it's call you, don't call Uber. Just call I'm driving Uber. for Uber now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, yeah I, I did. Uh, what the, was church life when you got home? Lonely. What was that like? Lonely. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were super supportive, but it was lonely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, going to SA and the honesty, the openness. Yeah. Mm. was just like so refreshing. You and you know? see the contrast when you come back to church, Big don't time. you? Big time. Yeah. And so that loneliness for two years, uh, you know, I knew I knew I was supposed to stay at Summit, not because of what they did, but they, they were my closest friends. Yeah. Um, and so part of it, I got fired from the church mm-hmm. um, halfway through treatment. They fired me, which... I would have fired myself too. Right. Uh, and then they got me a job cutting grass. And they, part of my job was cutting the church's grass. Mm-hmm. So every Friday I was out cutting grass and I was just praying and listening to sermon after sermon. And uh, this guy out from Texas started talking about their recovery ministry. And I just fell in love with it. And so uh, the elders of the church flew me out to Dallas to talk to their recovery guy. And that was the first place I'd seen where. 12-step recovery and the church could hold hands. Yeah. They, they didn't have to fight. And, you know, the church fights SA and SA fights the church. And it's not a, it's so sad to me, but it's like life is in both places. Let's bring these things together. Yeah. Describe that fight. What does that mean? What did you see? Well, I think the church is so scared of, it's, you know, AA is too secular. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You define your own God. Like, okay, I, I get that, but. You can't knock what AA's doing. Like you you look over the last since nineteen thirty, you look at the pure numbers of people getting sober. It's like, well, they're doing something right. Yeah. Yeah. And you look at the church, they're doing something right, but how come there's not the honesty in both places? Yeah. The honesty yeah. about the gospel and essay and the honesty about my life and it going to hell in a handbasket. Those two have to hold hands. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and I think you've done a beautiful job with Samson and helping forge that in the church and When you came back from uh, those 12 weeks and you came to the church and you were lonely, did did you find any people coming to you talking saying, hey, this is is my deal too? Totally, a lot. Um, So there's a group of guys that had already started, because Nate had come when I was in treatment to the church Mm -hmm. and you had done a weekend. That weekend, a massive amount of men came to the elders uh, and were just sharing and talking and 
like just didn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, they I remember had, Todd called yeah. me up and saying, "You got the easy job. That's right. <laughs> you, come, the, you come in and light the fuse and That's leave." Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so those, all they knew to do was rely again on Nate, and Nate, uh, from my understanding, was like they needed meetings, and they started some Samson meetings. They started some uh, SA and AA meetings in the church, yeah. uh, and so I came back to that. Um, my some of my closest friends who were in the church were already in the SA meeting, so I walked in the door. And my I'm like, oh, like you're here too. Like, yeah, I'm not alone. Mm. And so out of that, for the next two years, that there's about six men and six females that we kind of just be had a real recovery mm. meeting in our church, and then the twelve, thirteen of us, um, you know, started a recovery ministry at the church. So yeah. I was the lead. I was the lead guy in that, but it took 12 of us to do it. So, And that's how I ended up back on staff because so many men were coming to the elders and they had no idea what to do. And so I was like the token, hey, this guy's been through treatment. He goes to meetings and he's getting sober. So they saw what God was doing through the meetings. So I started just going to lunch with the elder and a man, elder and a man. And out of that came, hey, will you come be our intern? I was like, yeah. So I was an intern with all the college students I had interned like picked to be interns at the church. Yeah, yeah. So that turned in ten hours, twenty hours, and then uh, I was going. Uh, it turned into a twenty-hour a week job doing recovery. Yeah. And at the same time, uh, Orlando and my wife were just saying, "Man, you've got to get to school. You you've got a gift for counseling." And so uh, we were going to leave Florida and move to Nashville to go to Trevecca. Mm-hmm. But that was right, oh eight, oh nine. Yeah. That's when the market dumped out. So I did the smarter thing. I flew up to Nashville 36 times a year for three years. So every weekend I'd get on a plane <laughs> and fly to Nashville to go to... So that, that was the alternative. Yeah. Um, so I did that for three years, got my degree. And uh, then at the end, CPE offered me a job. That's how I got back to Nashville back in 2012, I think. Boy, so, so what was that like working in the place that had been such a pivotal? Oh man, shift? that was a. I knew when I left, I had said I to Chip and Phil, I want to come back in some capacity. Yeah. So to see that happen four years later was, man, it was awesome. Because my hope was to take the model of CPE and start a CPE in Southwest Florida. Yeah. And so I had was going to do that with a friend that I went through treatment with, and then he ended up relapsing, and it just kind of fell apart from there. So when they offered me to come and be on staff, I was like, I had all the skills in a classroom, mm-hmm. but didn't have the clinical skills of doing it. You're right. And I just knew Summit, I wouldn't be able to get what I needed staying at Summit. So the hope was to come and do it for a year up here and then go back to Summit, and God just continued to open doors after doors after doors. and. That's how I ended up staying. and Then all of a sudden, the siren call of Murfreesboro yeah, came to Murfreesboro. you. Yeah, Murfreesboro. That's, that's right. the place to be. That's so right. now you are... Yeah, so uh, my boss, Phil Herndon at the time, lives a stone throw from the church in Murfreesboro. And they were look, they're a 145-year-old church. And uh, I think they're the oldest Southern Baptist church in Rutherford County. And so I, they called me, and I went there, and I just told them my whole story. I, I said, I'm not going to hide anymore. And I right. just said, this is my story, and yeah. they love me. And what, What's the age demographic that's yeah. hearing this story? Then or now? <laughs> then. The ones so, that heard that story. Yeah, they were late 50s, early 60s. Mm-hmm. So what, what was the look on their face? Uh, they had been uh, in a place of—they uh, they were just— 
hurting from the last pastor leaving they loved him and so he kind of left abruptly mm-hmm. uh and so i think just the honesty just a guy yeah. coming and being honest with them i loved him and still love him love being there so so what did that feel like to you you're in a church yeah. pastor role again yeah last time you told the story i was out you were cutting the grass yeah this time you're coming in of the lead guy what 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 did that do for your heart Oh, I was overwhelmed just of gratitude. Still today, I mean, to think, you know, I don't I don't deserve to be a senior pastor, but by God's love and grace and kindness, I get to, to do it. And, you know, even on Sunday mornings, I'll, I'll share parts and bits of my story. Like, I don't hold back from the pulpit that I went to treatment. And, oh, that's good. Yeah, I'm just, this is what, I am what you, what you have. So. Yeah. And, and, and unashamed. And isn't it great to discover that that really is perhaps your greatest asset in mm-hmm. ministry, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Well, look, I want to. Uh, so, yeah, sorry, I'll, that's a long story. Yes, for my story. That's, that's awesome. Long, I want to take that. advantage. I want to get your advice uh, as long as you're here. Uh, two days from now, I'm going to be talking to a, a hundred or more pastors on a Covenant Eyes webinar. Oh, cool. Uh, so yeah, they host a monthly webinar and yep. so I get to be the guy this month. Okay. And, uh, I'm going to be talking about porn, advising them on how to talk about porn from the pulpit, how to talk about it in the study. If you were in my spot, uh, knowing what you know about the state of the pastoral ministry today, what would you like to, what would you say if you were in my spot? What would you like to hear if you were in that webinar as a pastor? Oh, I think I think it's what you shared with me early on, Nate, is there is hope for freedom. You just have to be willing to get the help. Yeah. And I think that's what the everyone wants the healing, but they don't want to do the work. Yeah. Yeah. Like recovery has not been easy. Mm-hmm. Simple. It's real simple. It's only twelve steps you gotta do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But it's those twelve steps are some of the hardest steps I've ever had to take. So and, that's what I would tell people. Yeah, and we can't take them alone, right? No, community, honesty. Yeah. Um, okay, from both of you answering this question, they're hard, these 12 steps. Why? I mean, it's like, admit that uh, this is a problem. Uh, you know, they don't seem hard. Why are they hard? Mm. It's like dying. It's like dying. To admit that I am powerless over something, Mm -hmm. that my life is unmanageable, that this is out of my control. Uh, I find it ironic that uh, one of the first things they tell you when you get into a 12-step room is that if you want to get sober, you're going to have to get a sponsor. It's not in the 12 steps, but it's absolutely an essential part of the Right. It's not formally a part. So we that's why we included it mm-hmm. in the path, right? Yeah. So they're like, hey, you just got this car, but you should probably have an engine. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. It's not required. Car's still yours. And then to to actually ask for advice and direction and to take it, to submit to another person. To well, first of all, to make the emotional dis- to, to make the decision to to emotionally join this group of misfits and losers, right? That's right. It's so true. <laughs> so you're saying the hardest part for you really revolved around ego. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and losing the facade. Sure. Who, who will totally. you be if Absolutely. you lose that? All right, what's the hardest so, part for you? What, what makes the 12 steps hard? Oh, I think just the 
having to be honest with things I had covered for so long mm. and the fear of abandonment. Yeah. Okay. Because the moment I had been honest along my journey was always abandonment with that. Right. So at 15, you know, I was abandoned by my parents again, like the church abandoning me like that's I felt that way. Like I know they didn't, but the feeling like, man, I, I talk about, I get caught with porn. Now I'm on a plane to Nashville. Like that's scary. Yeah. But last time I was on a plane, that someone dropped me off. I didn't get to come back. Oh. So there's so many pieces entwined oh, with that. Oh, wow. I hadn't even thought yeah. about that. Yeah. Oh, that emotional connection mm-hmm. on an Olympic level, That's what right. it must have felt like? Scary. What happened was on that plane was Todd Milby, my, my mentor, my friend, my best friend, he was in my wedding. He said, hey, man, just pack for a week. Pack for a week. Because mm-hmm. it was a four-day evaluation. Right, right. Well, I'm on the plane. I'm reading the brochure. I'm like, man, that a relapse six weeks program. Like, uh, why do I only have a week's worth of clothes? And I'm like, I don't even know what a relapse is. Uh-huh. So I feel bad for that guy that's going to be there for six weeks. Well, I turned the page and it talked about an extended 12-week program. I'm like, well, I'm that guy more than I'm that guy. Uh-huh. So I'm like, it's August. I'm not getting home till November. Yeah. So that part of me, like, man, every time I get honest, like, I get left somewhere. I got to mm. figure out how to get home, so to speak. Yeah. So, so. for you, it was that risk, the it trust. Mm-hmm. It's uh, just hearing you say that. What an interesting thing that you have built up from your early years. I didn't do anything and I got abandoned. That's right. Now as a man, you've done a bunch of things. Right. But inside you're still saying, I didn't Uh-oh. do anything and I'm still getting abandoned. That's right. And the people around you, your wife, the church are like, um, that's not holding water anymore. That's right. You're a grown ass man, that's and right. these were your responsibilities. That's right. that's right. And nobody's abandoning you, mm. but inside, feel it. You've still got the child saying, "I didn't do anything. That's I'm right. still getting abandoned." So true. That's a hard thing to get past. Yeah. So true. Yeah. And that's wow. where guys like Nate and the rooms of SA and Milby and Orlando and Jamin, the guys that kind of just stuck it out with me, was so that's. Then that's been the healing work for me. It's guys knowing my story and knowing every detail of the story. Yeah. And, you know, hold my hand and have kept walking with me. Teaching I, you can trust them. Yeah, that's right. I've got yeah. to tell you, though, I am, I'm jealous. I, I'm so envious of the fact you got to sit for 12 weeks with Chip Dodd, mm-hmm. uh, with those men so connected to the heart, right? Big time. Uh, men who would cry with you and for That's you, right. who would help you to uh, recover the lost parts of your heart and and learn that lost language. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm so happy for you, and yeah. then this selfish part of me is you know just jealous that you got to do that. Well, I um, contributed to you, Nate. If, for <laughs> you, if it was not for you, they would never have known about CPI. Yeah. I would have gone to some other yeah. rehab or not yeah. gone to rehab at all, and they would have. Fumbled yeah. through it. If it was close just, enough to Cuba, you yeah, I would have gone there. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. Now, one of our favorite guests on the podcast and a guy who has delivered the keynote uh, address twice for us at the annual Samson Retreat uh, is a guy you know real well, Jeff Schulte. Yeah. Okay. One of my closest friends. Okay. Now, And, and you now are working with right. Jeff and the team. So That's talk right. to us about Tin Man and what yeah. you're doing there. So I met Jeff at CPE. He mm-hmm. was He's a, another graduate. He's a graduate. So yeah. he was the first pastor I ever go through. I believe I was the second. Mm-hmm. So it was an instant connection. The guys, Chip and Phil, said, you got to get with 
with uh, Jeff. And so I've been friends with Jeff for 11 and a half years. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I was just picturing that you have a riding lawnmower with a sidecar. Yeah, with him. <laughs> and you're doing it together. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So he, you know, he was working with us at uh, CP for a while and mm-hmm. then uh, kind of broke away and began Tin Man. And, I, you know, his vision and his heart for, you know, it's really to help guys like me, a pastor that failed. That That's really the heart of Tim, man. That was his story. That's my story. And so when he left CPE and when I left, he was the very first call I made. I said, man, I want to come work with you, for you. Whatever I need to do, I'll do. Yeah. So uh, basically since the day I left CPE, I've been with uh, him ever since. Um, All right. I love him. He's amazing. So you guys are doing some intensives? That's right. Okay. So Tell us about the intensives. Six six times a year, myself and another guy, Robin. Robin Abbey. and Betty, yeah. we've had on the on the yeah, and he by the way, he was gonna do a workshop at our last fall retreat and then a baby showed up I at know. a very inconvenient time. I, so he called me about that one. I know, we tried up. to get I you know. in. I had uh something on the calendar already. I was so mad when he talked. <laughs> I would have done it in a heartbeat. So Robin and I do it okay. uh, in Memphis for three and a half days, a Tuesday to a Friday. Mm-hmm. And it's going back to what you said. We look at the inner child. So we're trying to help guys see where their trauma is and see how they d- have dealt with their trauma. Right, right. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's an amazing f- three and a half days. I, if if you need help, if you're in it stuck in a place of like, I want help, contact the 10 man and we'll, we'll get you into an intensive. We only... Do six guys at a time. So um, the next one's in April. I feel like this is the answer from last week. Our mm-hmm. friend from Toronto uh-huh. that wanted more information about how to help with the inner child thing. <laughs> they should check this out. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Because we failed him last week miserably. Yeah, we did. We did. Um, and and also ongoing sobriety coaching That's is right. available through Tim. That's right. So we will meet weekly, bi-monthly, whatever yeah. the guy needs. So there's both for. Male and female. Though it's 10 men, it, we have female coaches as well that will help. So we're kind of, um, there's a few of us on staff that are clinicians, so we can do some, uh, we, we call it doing counseling without being clinical and doing pastoring without being pastors. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, so we have a variety of people that can help. And So how do they design. find all this information and these resources? Let's go to 10manministries.org, uh, I believe is the, the website. I if think not, so. Best of my recollection. I never go to our own website, which is pitiful, but <laughs> people ask me all the time. I, I was like, I think it's 10manministries.org. Yeah. Um, so, or they can email me or Jeff at uh, Todd at 10man.life. Um, I do all of our intake. So, anyone that's going to email the email and it's going to come straight to me anyway. So, all right. Todd at 10man.life. Dot life. Mm-hmm. And they'll get you directly. To get me directly. Okay. Yep. Well, it is so good to see oh, you man. again. When you when you sent me an email, I was like, I will move anything on my calendar <laughs> to get to see Nate. So <laughs> you're so instrumental in my story. I promise every time people are like, Tell me your sobriety story. I'm like, Well, it started with Nate Larkin. Yeah. So it it's an honor to be here and to get to see what you do and you know, I've been following you for now. Now I'm distance. connecting you with a with you got a yeah. new friend in Murfreesboro. That's right. Okay. He's just on the other side of Murfreesboro, so we'll have to meet somewhere in the middle. Okay. All right. Jack Browns. Okay. I'll I'll do it. All right. I'll do it. Stick with us, listeners. We'll be back in a moment on the Pirate Monk Podcast.
are back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. We have finished the interview section of yeah. the podcast. <laughs> uh, and, uh, Todd is still hanging here. Uh, thank you for sticking around, Todd. Yeah, it's been great to be here. I'm so thankful to be here. Uh, we got some stuff coming up. We do, we do. Uh, by the way, the registration page for the fall retreat is up. The site is open, and you can reserve your spot for the big fall retreat. So we're back in Eva, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know that we have – well, I don't know that it's on the website yet. It, you can always um, – let me see. Where am I going to – can I post it? I can post it on the Pirate Monk podcast page, can't I? Sure. Sure. Email me that. what you are talking about. Okay. What are we talking about? Just the we're, registration link? Registration page. Okay. So, do you, what is the date? Is it the first week in November again? Weekend? Right. Yep. It's November 6th through 8th, first okay. weekend in November. Mm-hmm. And uh, John Lynch will be our keynote speaker. Filmmaker John Lynch. Uh, oh, it's David Lynch. Sorry. Yeah. John Lynch is going to be there. But John, many of our guys will know John Lynch from the Heart of Man movie or mm-hmm. from the book The Cure or Bo's Cafe or On My Worst Day or perhaps... If you haven't seen the video of his talk, the Two Roads talk, by all means, go to YouTube now. Type in John Lynch, Two Roads, and prepare to hear the gospel. Yeah. So that's all happening in November. Get on it, because last year we ran out of spots. Yes, we did. So it's never too early. And if you are a chick monk listening to this, well, this is a special gift you can give to your man. Right. And if you're a man and a married man and want to give a gift to your wife, you can register her for the wives' retreat that's happening here in beautiful Middle Tennessee, July 24th through 26th. And if you're an unmarried man or a married man who knows another man, you can also inspire <laughs> him or pay for his trip to Eva, Tennessee. Oh, by the way, I got an interesting uh I got an interesting letter from one of our listeners mm-hmm. after the uh, uh, Mo Leverett episode, uh-huh. where Mo went all spiritual tobacconist cigar yeah, on us. Yeah, where we encouraged people to smoke tobacco. Right. Why? Well, I say uh, we loosely. Yeah, as a way, it, meditation and correct. Oh, so. Burning the incense. Yeah. So this guy, he's a Samson guy. He is a, a port guy, a warm. So. He's kind of floating the idea of maybe there should be because port and cigars apparently go together for some people. Huh? Oh, port the drink. I thought that he just moved from Harbor Town to Harbor Town. No, no, no. Okie doke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. These kind of ref- fine, mm-hmm. refined. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So I don't know, but we're gonna. So what's the what, idea being floated? Yeah, is that. We go down by the water around the campfire, maybe on Saturday night, and we do us and and maybe we get some special instruction on meditative drinking and smoking. I don't know. <laughs> this coming from the man who a isn't drinking anymore. Yeah, that's right. At the moment, I'm being can't, uh, can't smoke cigars, but yeah. I love the concept anyway. No, no, it's it's true. It's that's just a nice idea. We need to get Mo there. He can. Okay, we got to talk to Mo. We got to motivate Mo to come. Motivate Mo. He can play the guitar around the campfire, stogie ablaze. Yeah, right, right. Well, this is all getting very interesting to me. I think I'll sign up to go. Yeah, yeah. All right, please do. Uh, I think that wraps it for this episode of the podcast. Except if we we want to hear from you listeners. Yes, we do. And as always, you can reach us via Gmail at... 
piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. That's piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Okay. And <laughs> piratemonkpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. That's right. But the Our rule is you got to say it three by. times, right? Yeah, something like that. Okay. Well, I think that wraps it for this week. Until next time, I'm Nate. I'm Aaron. I'm Todd. And we are your pals on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Arg. Hey, what you want, huh? <laughs> <laughs>